What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. It is Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. This week's episode, Blades Dominates Volkov. On this week's episode, we'll be talking everything UFC Vegas 3. We will talk about the return of LFA in July. Anthony Smith, Alexander Raychik in August, and of course, our theories on the new UFC video game, and look ahead to this Saturday's event, headlined by Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Natalie, somehow, if I'm not mistaken, this is the last show of the month of June. How did that happen? I don't know. They spoiled us, right? Because they went from a, a complete drought to all of a sudden like jam-packed uh, May and June. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised too, actually. I was a little disappointed to realize we had no fights this weekend. But I mean, we know what's around the corner, but I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, I just looked at it and I realized my math is off. Technically, we do have one more on the very last day of June, but you get what I mean. You know, it's, uh, I'll say oh, this. Wait. I Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We were, you know, it's on our little list of stuff. We've got the math wrong. There is a fight this week. Next week we're off. But um, yeah, I'll say this. I think this is a good example of the quarantine clock being in full effect, you know? Like when you haven't had to really go to work and you've been at home, the concept of Monday through Friday plus the weekend has kind of been, you know, non-existent. I don't oh, know yeah. About you. Time is circular. Like I don't even. There's no. There's no forward. There's no backwards. There's just. I'm just floating through space, and things happen and to me, and I react, and that's it. <laughs> Have you been seeing your community? Like a lot of people go back to work. Cause I'm not gonna lie. Going around, a lot of places are now open, and I. That's encouraging. But I still see a bunch. It's like you know what? Yeah, business is not back, or they closed, which is even more unfortunate. Uh, on our side here in, in LA, I do see things coming back to life. Um, the, the biggest clue there is traffic is slowly growing again. Um, you can still drive around on the weekends and with a little bit of freedom. You know, it was nicer in May and um, most of June. Uh, the, the, during the week, though, like trying to go from like the west side to the east side, that's back to taking about an hour or so. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> and I did also drive through um, Santa Monica over the weekend. And, you know, folks were out. But it's a very surreal to see all the stores that were hit. You know, the board, the walls, are st- the windows are still boarded up. But you know what's really interesting? I, I hadn't seen this on the news. People are going out and painting murals on the boarded up walls on the plywood. So it's kind of a nice sign of, you know, there's always hope and, and there's always positivity just around the corner. I like that. I yeah, think it's yeah. a great sign. I follow the one. I love the thing about the, I follow the Kobe Bryant murals after his passing. Yeah. There's a lot of beautiful stuff. There's one in my community and it's so awesome. It's right by the Chipotle that I always go to. So <laughs> it's lovely. So you're there a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's uh, Kobe, and he's like, you know, he's like high-fiving with Nipsey Hussle. It's it's nice. That's nice. Yeah, but guys, so we're not going to reminisce too much, but obviously, you know, it's a sign of the times. MMA is moving along, and 
So are we, slowly but surely. Uh, Natalie, let's talk about this last weekend's main event, Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov. Um, contrary to what the commercial might have suggested, uh, this one was just as advertised. Curtis Blades told us, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday, don't expect me to stand and bang with him. I'm going to take him down, and that's, that's it. And, well, Natalie, he took him down, and that was it. Yeah, it was <laughs> when I saw that tweet, I was like, oh, haha, that's nice. Nice. Um, what do you say? Uh, what's the word for um, like faking them out? Yeah, yeah. I can't think of the right word. But yes, exactly that. That sentiment. And uh, and then I was watching the fight. I was like, oh, no, no, he was serious. OK, <laughs> unfortunately for a lot of people, I'm sure he was serious because, um, well, it was not the most eventful, most exciting for me. I know some people really love the grappling stuff, and I do enjoy it. Like someone, I think, who does it really well, who incorporates the full, the full spectrum of what you can do in MMA is like Daniel Cormier, right? Like he uses that wrestling, but he's always attacking. He's always attacking. Ah, not so much here, but it is what it is. Dana White wasn't, wasn't too pleased, but are we surprised that he wasn't pleased with that performance? Probably not. I always got to say that that's one of those things that um, I almost feel like that's a, that's playing with fire. And I, I want us to talk about Curtis Blade's comments after, but it's like, you know, the powers that be don't want to hear that you plan to be quote unquote boring. And I think that the language that Curtis used was that like, look, you know, he essentially alluded as much as like, don't expect it to look fun. Which, you know, look, he's out there. He's the one putting his body on the line. Clearly, we saw uh, Volkov was still dangerous, especially going into that fifth round. It looked like the momentum might be turning a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I found it interesting. I do want to give credit where it's due. I think that Volkov did a good job of minimizing the damage. Now, mind you, that's not to say he was uh, getting escaping and defending the takedowns for a majority of that fight. But I do think that he did a good job of not letting the shots accumulate. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys, you get down there and after 25 minutes, you look like, you know, you've been turned into ground beef at Burger King. You know what I mean? Yeah. He did not let that happen to him. And now, mind you, that's not enough to win. But I want to give credit where it's due. I think that's a big part of why that fight was paced the way it was. Um, in terms of Curtis Blades, uh, he talked about like, well, I'm a heel now and this and that. I don't know if that necessarily is what I got from it. I really feel like Curtis was, um, I think that he was trying to, how do I put it? Almost like a rebel without a cause. Like, you know, he like he's a big, powerful guy. He's got fast hands. So I was actually a little more shocked that he, you know, he was kind of pitched pitching it as that because in my opinion what I was hearing is like hey I'm gonna go out there and do what I do similar to um oh my god I'm forgetting his name already uh the guy Kevin Lee knocked out uh, oh Gregor Gillespie yes exactly like Gregor like some of these guys it's like he's just look he's gonna go out there and that's just what he's gonna do so I don't know if I'd call it like turning heel. I feel like heel is in the attitude, not necessarily the approach. So what about you? Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, heels, like when you think about like pro wrestling, like the heel is popular because he's exciting. 
even though he's the bad guy, right? There was, mm, you know, respectfully nothing to me exciting about the performance. And then sort of, you know, the, the blase attitude and, and trying to spin that into, oh, I'm the heel. Mm, it, it, he needs to work on his pitch a little bit better there. I appreciate that he's in a unique situation. And what I mean by that is like, okay, let's be honest. Curtis, it is late June right now. Uh, it's still over a month, like a month and change before DC even fights Stipe. So let's put that right there. So that's August. You're not ahead of Francis Ngannou unless Francis Ngannou, you know, somehow the keys to his car get lost and Uber stops working on his phone and he can't find a bicycle and everything else. Somehow he can't get to the fight. That's the only way Curtis Blades is going to fight for a title later this year, in my opinion. So really, it's like, I understand that he doesn't, he, he needs to find a way to make himself very relevant in a title picture where, quite bluntly, he is just not in it. He is firmly behind Francis, and he's obviously firmly behind Stipe and DC because they're the at the forefront with everything. So I appreciate that he's trying to find a way to generate hype, despite the fact that those two losses to Francis are still at the forefront. I'm going to just be honest with you, though. He's just in a tough situation. The fact is, even if everything works out perfectly, you know, if everything works out smoothly as we we're expecting it he's not even getting near a UFC title shot until later next year probably about this time and on that note there's not even a guarantee of that because hypothetically what if Francis Ngannou is the champion you know it's kind of hard to sell that fight a third time even after all the work he's been doing yeah and then and then with enough time passing like you don't know who's gonna come up and um and maybe, you know, steal his, his place just by, by virtue of being more exciting. You know, could be someone way down on the rankings that, that all of a sudden has an amazing performance or two. And knowing how Dana White feels about Curtis Blades, like that, that there's no security in his position right now. Yeah, what I, w- I do want to talk about moving forward. I know he, and I understand his thinking, but on paper, by the numbers, it would feel like a step back, but I think that the fight between uh, the winner of Derek Lewis and uh, I'm blanking on that guy's name today. He just they just announced it. Who is his oh, opponent? Geez. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, not Olenek. Uh, yeah, it is Olenek. It is okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's somebody I know. I'm sorry, guys. We're doing this week's show a little bit later, so I used yes, all the good. Yes, my fault. Thank you. <laughs> I used all the good oil on you know my TV binging and my social media game. But yeah, uh, Lewis Olenek. Uh, I think that that one uh, really. I feel like that one makes sense because on paper, look, you you want to be the champion, right? You want to prove you're the number one. These are all guys who're going to fight anyway. And quite bluntly, I think a name like Derek and a guy, a veteran of the level of Olenek, I think those guys, those are guys potentially that you would have to fight. And really, you know, going back to it, I mean, I'd like to point out, Derek Lewis beat a guy who called himself Francis Ngannou. I'm not going to tell you that was Francis because we all know what Francis looks like. That wasn't it a couple years ago. But on paper, he has that victory. If Derek Lewis is active and Francis Ngannou is at the top, you know, 
tell me that that fight doesn't happen over possibly Curtis. So I oh, do think, I that, yeah, I do think that that's something he's got to consider fighting Lewis or fighting Olenek as he waits for his own title shot. I think that's just what's going to have to happen. Because I don't think that, you know, this hype is still going to be there potentially a year from now when you think the title fight will happen. Yeah, that that is exactly right. And like I said, there's, you're painting a, a great picture there for what could happen with Ngannou Lewis because, again, you know, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't at all. It's it's still the fight that everyone cites when like you want to reference a, a you know um, what could have been the most exciting fight and turned out to be just like a big dud, right? That, like that you always go back. That wasn't Francis Ngannou. That was a guy calling himself Francis. Ngannou. Right. That was the imposter, Francis Ngannou. Yeah. <laughs> Francis No Ngannou. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> dang. I still got a joke, even though it's late. I still got a few jokes. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yes, you're right. So, so there's so many options here that 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 we can conceive, and some that we can't even see yet. That would put Curtis Blades on the back burner for a, for a good amount of time, keeping him at arm's length from that title shot. No, Ganu, I'm sorry. This that joke <laughs> is two years from uh, breaking MMA Twitter, man. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna remember that for a very long. I might remember that forever. To be honest. <laughs> That, that is gold. Um, you know what? All right. So, yeah, moving forward after that, uh, Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos. Man, that was fun. And to Josh Emmett tears his knee in the first round, first couple seconds. What? That is, I, I'm like, literally, I can't, Im- I can't imagine. That just sounds next level to me. That does not sound human. I think he's like the bionic man. There's no way you tell me he fought against that big featherweight and just stand and bang with him for those 15 minutes. That's crazy. Uh, Lauren Murphy, she takes a step forward. She beat Roxanne Modafferi. Um, You know what? Lauren Murphy, Cynthia Calvillo. Lauren Murphy, um, Caitlin Chukagian. All that I think is on the table. With that victory, just looking at flyweight right now. So that's a very big win, very key victory in the title picture. And then Team Rock NATO, both Raquel <laughs> Pennington and Tisha Torres got some good wins. You know what? Their after party was lit. I put that on Twitter. I was hoping I'd be invited because I can imagine they're just ready to turn up. When you think about Raquel was coming off a loss, Tisha was probably fighting for her UFC career. It was uh, some good performances. Yeah, dude, has Tisha Torres ever looked better? That was an astonishing, amazing performance. I was really blown away by, she looked had a great physique, but clearly she's been working on it. She looked extra, extra cut. And the speed, the um, agility, the way she was throwing those kicks, those right kicks, right leg kicks. Dude, I was, I was very impressed with her performance, with just the way she was, the way she looked. Um so I'm really excited to see what's next. She clearly put in a lot, a lot of work mentally, probably just as much as physically. And Raquel Pennington, that was an exciting fight, man. Marion Renault in round one, she was she was tagging her. And I was telling my husband, I was like, uh-oh, Marion Renault, man, 43 years old. She's still got it. She's she's out there freaking outstriking Raquel Pennington. And I was sort of lamenting Pennington because – you know, you see her in the back hitting mitts and she's got this mega bombs. But then when she's in the octagon, doesn't quite come together. And then she got kneed in the crotch. 
And that was all she needed to turn it around. She got pissed enough, and then that was it. Two and three were, were all her. So also very impressive. They've clearly both been putting a lot of work in there in, uh, in Colorado. And, um, I mean, Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos looked gigantic. That, that was incredible just to see the size difference there between the two of them. Uh, incredible fight. And Lauren Murphy, that was a really fine performance. You know, she's just great boxing. Great boxing, and she showed it. So, so lots of lots of exciting fights. Let's have a TMI conversation. So, Natalie, as a guy, I get hit low, like legit direct hit low. I'm sorry, but like that's a wrap for quite a while. And I'm saying like legit, you feel the pain on the spot, but you almost feel a little numb everywhere else. Like not just sit down, but like don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Just Oy, that it's one of those very blackout kind of pains. There's no, you're down there thinking about lunch. You're down there thinking about people, what they're thinking of you as you go down. It's pretty bad. As a girl, how would you describe it? Because <laughs> I think that was a funny thing. You had all these guys who don't know how to, you know, commentate on the fact that uh, I, I'd argue that's the most high-profile women's low blow that we've seen in the UFC. I, I think so. I can't think of another time where they were in that situation. Yeah, we, I mean, you've seen them here and there, but but Raquel Pennington's reaction, like she was like a guttural scream. scream. Uh, it hurt me to watch it. I got to say, maybe I've just never put myself in enough danger. Uh, <laughs> never, uh, You're never, a lucky one. <laughs> never quite experienced anything that looked like that. Certainly never received a knee anywhere near there. Um, but, uh, it, I'll just say that it's not like a pain free zone, you know, and, um, I do have a silly question for you. You know, I don't know if you're the right person to ask, but obviously men wear cups and whatnot and fighting, but do you know if the women and MMA ever, do they wear like some kind of padding protection? Is there anything there? You know what? You'd have to ask the women's fighters. I will say this. I do, uh, um, from training martial arts in the past, there w- I did train with women, and they, like, straight up, it's like, yeah, there is, you know, I do wear a cup. And it's like, wait, what? How? Shouldn't it, you know? Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of logistics that it's like, <laughs> you, you know, like, how does that work? Right. But yes, there, there is protection for women. And, okay. you know, now, is it a necessary part of the uniform or anything else? You'd have to ask them. In UFC, I mean. Yeah, well, there you got your first question for uh, your next female fighter interview. No, thank you. <laughs> I, I'll leave that to Laura Senko and yeah. Megan O'Leary and someone who, you know, won't She'll get a raised eyebrow when they ask. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Max Roshkoff. Uh, I might have mispronounced that one. But um, just very bluntly, by now, everyone's seen the video. He very adamantly, before that third round, is telling his coach, you need to pull the plug. I can't go out there. I'm beat. And, well, Robert Drysdale stands by, you know, he's kind of, how do I put it? I always call it, he's giving him the Friday Night Lights speech. He's giving him that, you know, like, this is, uh, you know, he's emptying the clip, using all the ammunition to get his fighter back to level 10 and get back out there to do what he's got to do. Um, uh, you know, just give me your thoughts on it before I go. Uh, it was, it was, you know, watching the fight, it, it, it turned, the tide turned quickly, right? But it all sort of makes sense that it, that it went down the way it did. 10 days notice in this, in this climate that we're in, we're training 
perfectly efficiently as you know as best you can is is unlikely um and the pressure maybe also like he was supposed to be debuting on the contender series and now all of a sudden it's like the big show so he did great in the first round but probably really disheartening was the fact that every amazing takedown that he was able to secure and submissions that he was you know close to getting into position um hubbard was able to get out of it and stay stay loose stay relaxed and once once Harbert turned turned it up in round two and started really landing some bombs, you could see Roshkoff. And uh, as far as far as the pronunciation goes, it it is spelled like it shouldn't be pronounced Roshkoff, but everybody, including John Anik, was pronouncing it that way. So I'm going to go with that. In any case, <laughs> um, you know, he's got a hard I, job. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was. He was. You know, this uh, poor Max was. Um, he was fatigued, and I think more mentally you could tell that he was starting to have that conversation in his head, like, why am I doing this? I'm getting beat up. I'm getting hurt. Um, you know, I didn't prepare properly. This isn't the first impression I wanted to make. And so once that conversation started happening, he was getting caught, getting hit. I, I, you know, I think mentally he kind of just was was mm, not falling apart. That that's That's not fair, but... Mentally, there was a second guessing, and that led to to him getting hit more and more. I think he lost his focus. So when you see him in the corner telling his coach, "Call it, call it," you know, I understand a coach saying a couple of times, maybe, "No, no, no, you're good, you're good." But he kind of fought him the whole way. And if it wasn't for Max himself telling the official, I think that his coach would have sent him back out, which kind of kind of sucks. Fortunately. Max spoke up for himself. It's not the kind of thing you want a fighter to have to say. That's what your corner's for, to sort of help you save face. But, you know, he did the smart thing. He stuck to his guns, and he didn't waver. He wasn't willing and able to continue the fight. So he did the right thing. You know, there, there's so many parts to this. I, I will say this. Um, You know, I take the context into account. And this is juxtaposed by the fact that, you know, a couple minutes later, I feel like, yeah, Justin Janes, short notice, he's able to just blitz Frank Camacho and yeah, everyone's yeah. hyped about that one, which is one of the better uh, performances when you consider it of the night. Um, with this, I, you know, I put myself in his shoes a bit and I'm like, okay, five days notice, I'm you know, uh, I'm sorry, but that is a brutal fight. That is a brutal beatdown to take when you've had a full camp. You're telling me that he was going through that on five days' notice, even if he's in shape and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's a lot mentally. And you know what? Um, when I look at it, I think the fact that the fact that he was that adamant, I think, says something. And uh, Chel Sonnen, I heard him talk about it. He kind of said it's like. The coach was kind of trying to do what a good coach tends to do is try to inspire you, give you confidence to, you know, a, a fight is not easy. But he also admitted at a certain point, the, the towel was already thrown in. It, it was not going to save the boat kind of deal. And I, you know, that's where the controversy really comes from. I've heard Robert Drysdale say he stands by it. I've heard people who know Max say, you know, like, hey, this is a guy that, you know, not like sometimes they they go they want to motivate him a little bit it's, he finds himself in those situations which is a lot more common than you'd imagine so i want to really preface that is that you know 
training and fighting is not easy. There's plenty of guys and girls who will tell you it's like sometimes you need an extra push. That's why at a workout, you a lot, 99% of people train better around people than if you're just by yourself. You don't push as hard. Oh, heck yeah. On that note, um, you know, I, I will say this. I think that um, I'll say that for his own safety and I think just for everything involved, at a certain point, I think that Drysdale should have just, you know, maybe acknowledged that, no, my fighter really has officially gone over the ledge and, uh, you know, it's time to call it for, you know, everyone's own good, especially after the beating he took and the context. Um, but once again, it's like those are split-second decisions with guys who know each other better than we ever will on the outside. Uh, Natalie, I want to bring this up to you, though, because <laughs> I've heard yeah. a lot of pundits talk about it. This idea that, uh, oh, why is it a taboo to throw in the towel? Why is it, you know, to call the fights? To You know, why is it this, like, why is it a taboo? Why is it frowned upon? Do you think that's actually a real thing? Just yes or no, because I'm going somewhere. No, I don't think it's a real thing. I agree. And uh, I kind of take into account, one, it doesn't happen that often, which might be part of the reason why I think that, but I'm... Like, after this, I was literally thinking about, you know, tried to make a list all the times this happens. Um, Nate Diaz, we, we reviewed it. Nate Diaz, uh, yeah, Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson. Nick threw in the towel. No one questioned it. No one thinks less of Nate Diaz's toughness. Um, stuff like that. Anthony Pettis, Tony Ferguson, uh, breaks the hand, taking a beating. No one thinks less of Anthony Pettis and um, uh, the Duke, uh, Duke Rufus for stopping the fight. Not a taboo. Uh, now, if anything, um, look at the fights that kind of went on in recent months. Uh, Anthony Smith in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. Felicia Spencer. Um, I'll give you another good one. Remember Raquel Pennington against Amanda Nunes? You remember that, was mo that moment where she was like, you know, I'm done. I think I'm done. She goes out there and gets stopped by Amanda brutally in the fifth round. Optically... Yep. If anything, I feel like there's a taboo about sending people back out there when we get to Sunday morning and we've had time to think about it. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. Now, mind you, that's not to say that, um, you know, like outright uh, more people need to throw in the towel right now, blah, blah, blah. Coaches need to reevaluate everything. No. But I will say this. When I'm hearing that, I'm like, is that actually a real thing? I don't think so. So when I looked at the Max situation, I was like, you know, will this hurt his reputation? Will it? Look, you, I mean, people talk trash about me, and I, it's not like I'm Ariel Helwani out here, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, Max getting some flack for it. Uh, I feel for the guy, but big picture, are you about to tell me that it's going to be this big deal if he keeps fighting? No, I don't think so. No. He'll either win or he'll lose. Um, unless he's in this exact same situation again, I don't really see this becoming a thing. So when I see that, I'm like, I really want to say it for what it is, is that, you know, whether or not he wins or loses, I think it's going to be on his skills. It's not going to be about this perceived perception of what heart he has as a fighter. Yeah, I think, and it takes a lot of guts to cry uncle, you know, and uh, I think that that says a lot about who, what kind of person he is, how strong he is, and how self-aware he is. Because 
he was getting beat, man. He physically was done. He had he didn't have any more gas in the tank. And like, why take more shots from someone who's super fresh, who's still bouncing around and just just got like your timing and just figured out how to beat the heck out of you, you know, in your head, on your head. So, no, he did the right thing. And uh, no stain on his on his image going forward. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, um, you know, I think what's unfair, everybody's now going to be watching him in between rounds and the next mm-hmm. fight and all this other stuff. From what I was hearing, it's not Dana doesn't have him on the bubble to be cut, which I, I was very hard, you know, enlightened to hear. I really um, that's just a good sign. You know what I mean? So I really hope that we do see him back and full camp and let's see. A little more fairly under the pretend, you know, under the situation and circumstances, what he's got. But yeah, um, another night of fights. Uh, kind of going back to it a little bit. Anthony Smith, uh, Alexander Rakic. Uh, first off, Anthony Smith going out there and saying he thinks that that fight uh, should have been stopped. The corner should have stopped the fight. <clears throat> the Max fight? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okie dokie. I don't know what to say. Nothing. Natalie, uh, what are your thoughts? Crickets. (laughs) I I heard that and I was like, I... mm." (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone now. (laughs) Yeah, that's the best answer is just leave it alone. Okay, sir. That's fine. Uh, That's your opinion. Turning around, uh, look, Alexander Rakic is another guy. Um, he was on a win streak. He kind of uh, had that hiccup against Volkan Uzdemir in December. But this is another up-and-comer. More than anything, I'm just kind of shocked at the turnaround for Anthony. I feel like um, that was just a lot of damage he took in the Glover Tashira fight. And, you know, not once again, there's no gimme fights in the UFC. But this is another high-risk fight for him considering that, you know, a couple weeks ago, he's a top four light heavyweight, you know, knocking on the door to fight a guy like Dominic Reyes or Thiago Santos potentially with the win. Yeah, this is way too fast. And so it, it reminds me a little bit of like when Bisping lost to GSP and then like in two weeks turned around to fight to replace Silva in Beijing to fight Gastelum and then, you know, too soon got knocked out and that was the end of his career. Um, so not saying this is gonna that's what's that's how this looks as far as you know trajectory of his of Smith's career but that quick turnaround it just looks like he's you know trying to shake the the bad juju off of his uh off his soul and this doesn't really seem like the way to do it considering as you said all the damage he suffered so I don't know man I mean you know was it May to August Oof. that's that's fast and you know he'll be healed on the surface but like there's got to still be residual injury and healing going on you know in that tissue especially around his face and stuff so it's disconcerting but obviously he's he's a savage you know he's just going to keep going he wants to freaking take the bad taste out of his mouth you know i don't know if this is going to do it but 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 it's already done right it's sealed I mean, technically, like, he could just not get in the car to the apex, I guess. Correct. That's true. <laughs> but, um, yes, he has signed on the dotted line. That is true. Um, you know what? Uh, 
I think you said it. You kind of summed it up pretty well. I mean, um, in my opinion, look, uh, Smith is a BMF in his own right. Remember, this is the guy who fought off the attacker and still fought his scheduled fight in May. So, you know, I want to acknowledge that is like his ability to recover and all that is different than mortal men like myself. So, I mean, look, if he's fine and he goes out there and impresses, obviously, you know, we're going to be like, hey, this is why they fight and we don't. If it does not go well, and let's say he does look a little more, you know, more vulnerable, looks like he's taking damage a little bit easier than he usually does, then obviously we'll have grounds to say, you know, that, but there's no telling until after the fight, which is not a very fun thing to know, but it's just the facts in this case, so. But yeah, this is a big fight for Rakic. Obviously, he could really um, make a name for himself here. If Smith wins, that kind of keeps him in that top, you know, top 10 hunt, you know, definitely looking at some of the other recognizable guys in the division. So very good stuff for the end of, uh, end of August there. Uh, moving forward, Natalie, good news. More MMA promotions as of this morning are announcing their return. Uh, one I don't have listed, but I'll break. Combate uh, America saying that they are coming in at the end of August. They're going to be doing a closed studio in Miami show so similar to the apex just smaller but they'll be coming back on access tv having fights this summer lfa also announces that they are returning with a four weeks of straight fights every friday um they're going to be taking place they essentially have the uh um this small uh, venue in sioux falls south dakota i mean natalie i see this i'm seeing everything about major league baseball People talking about NFL training camps starting up. Everyone's talking about the NBA and they're going to be camping out in Orlando at Disney World. Dare I say it, we are back in action. We are closer to full speed ahead. It sure seems like it, except, you know, all these precautions still have to be taken, which I it makes you wonder about cost, right? Like when you just listed all these gigantic sports uh, leagues, they have a lot of money. The UFC has decent amount of money. I'll say a lot of money, right? And Dana White has not been shy about saying how expensive it has been to put on these shows because of all the extra precautions that need to be taken and then there's no gate. So I wonder if, you know, a promotion like LFA, like how hard is it going to hit them just to come back? Like you got to come back, right? But um, if if you have... Um, you know, if you're uh, just the smaller area promotions, like, do you have enough money to be as safe as possible? And if you, even if you don't, and you try to be as safe as possible anyway, like, how hard does that hurt your bottom line? A lot of questions here, but, but in general, happy to be see sports coming back. I just, um, what I, what I don't want to see happen is if like smaller promotions coming back, and then there are like incidents of of COVID or whatever, uh, COVID popping out after the fights and then it sort of puts a halt to that progress. So hopefully they can, they have learned and talked to the UFC and learned about all the things that have been successful for the UFC and can, and can recreate that stuff on their end. Yeah. I think that, um, a big difference, not to say that they're going to cut corners, but for example, I read the combate, they're taking advantage of the fact that in LA County, there's now free COVID testing. 
And it's like, yeah. okay, they're taking advantage of that. Um, I'm assuming there's other stuff in place in different parts of the country. Um, I guess that's my biggest thing is that like, okay, do they... The UFC, we've kind of seen, you know, like they've had the most time experimenting with it. And, you know, not for nothing, they have the most amount of money to put into it. Is to, you know, they can afford to experiment and take, you know, a little bit extra. How will Combate and all these other places do it? That remains to be seen. You know, having been there myself, Natalie, I feel like it's very possible. I feel like if you tell me that they can rent out a small, you know, uh, uh, what is it, Motel 6 or something for, uh, you know, two dozen-ish fighters for three or four days. They have testing. I feel like that's all very possible for the Bellators, the LFAs of the world. But um, I, like you said, it, you just want to see it work out. Because now as you talk about more people getting out, obviously, you know, the big fear is more cases spiking. And I heard about the soccer, the women's soccer team had that happen. And you know, they the whole team essentially shut down. Obviously, there's concern, but I feel like this should all still be possible at the end of the day, and that's all a very good sign. Um, I will, uh, yes, before we move on, I'd also like to point out one of the women fighting, Vanessa Demopoulos, will be taking on Sam Hughes July 17th. That is the second event that comes back for LFA. It is LFA85. If you follow me on social media, you'll see I spoke with the little monster and we talked all about her start in mixed martial arts, the fight, and Natalie, the potential to possibly see her in the UFC very soon. So if you oh, guys nice. are going to be tuning in to her fight, definitely check that out because it's always a fun time talking to uh, Vanessa. I'll tell you that. She's definitely one of a kind. Um, moving on, uh, Natalie, let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's not get, uh, pessimistic thinking about testing. Let's talk about <laughs> something I had a lot of time for when work shut down, video games. Mm. According to the UFC poster, the new UFC video game is going to be announced, well, not next week, but two weeks from now on Fight Island, and everyone is talking about who is going to be on the cover of EA Sports UFC 4. Dana White teased a possible, I don't know if he's going to be like DLC or like you got to buy him or, you know, he's going to come with the disc when it drops. But Tyson Fury being a character in the game, I think that's cool. But the big question, Natalie, who do you want to see, could be more than one, be on the cover of the game? So I want to see Jorge Masvidal on the cover. I doubt that will happen because even if the UFC wanted him, felt he was popular enough to move some discs, I mean, way to give him ammunition to support his cause, asking for more money, right? So so I doubt you'll see him. Uh, who do I think it's actually going to be? My money's on Israel Adesanya. Um, that's my number one. And maybe like Khabib? Maybe because he's pretty popular in parts of the world. But I think it's going to be Izzy. And if they want to throw a female champion, that's a tough one because there's a great case for, for obviously, Amanda Nunes, double champ, but she's talking about retiring maybe. Valentina Shevchenko is awesome. But when you're talking about markets, the market they're trying to conquer, Weili Zhang, China, that probably would do a lot to move some, move some hard goods as well. 
So I'm sticking with Izzy at number one. And then my number two is either like Khabib or Nunez or Zhang. What do you think? I like what you're saying. I do distinctly remember like one of the UFC video games that talked about like most countries they had Forrest Griffin on the cover, but like in Canada it was George St. Pierre. Ah. I, uh, and I know that I distinctly remember they've talked about that with some other games too, like depending on where they're at. I, if I had to guess, uh, the my two covers, and, and look, uh, in an ideal world, I think that you would capitalize on the here and now. I think that you'd have like a back-to-back Adesanya and Masvidal kind of situation. I think that would be cool. Instead, my two most realistically, when I think about what they'll do, I think that they're going to have like a, a bit of Photoshop at play, they're going to have like Adesanya uh, facing off with John Jones. Hmm. I think that that could be a f- like, hey, the whole point is you play out your fantasy fights, right? In the video game. That's true. I think that could be an idea. Or I could see them pulling one of those epic shots of like Amanda Nunes just roaring triumphantly with both her belts. I feel like that's a very real possibility too, but. That's that's my top two ideas of what they're going to do. But ideally, who do I honestly want? I Just a doubleheader, Jorge and Izzy on the cover. Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. John Jones, I like the idea because that's a great fight. And we'll probably see that in the next two years. But, you know, John Jones is another fighter that, like, is asking for more money. So do you want to give him the ammunition to say, look how valuable you are to our brand, but we're not going to pay you more? So it gets a little tricky there. You gotta you gotta pick someone that's compliant and also popular. I want these guys to get paid. I wish that my video game wasn't impacted, but that's the life we live in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's going on. So good stuff. All right, we got quite the fight card coming up this Saturday, UFC Vegas Four. If you guys care to know, I will be there bringing you guys all the interviews and getting tested for the sake of the people not really it's for my job but you know what i mean i will be going through the process and you know bringing you guys what that experience is like but the big attraction in the lightweight division dan hooker looking to get his biggest victory of his career against dustin poirier natalie what are your thoughts on this one dude this is a freaking heck of a fight that they put together here this is going to be really awesome a stand-up war. Um, I'm super excited. I will say this is totally silly, but my mind always finds the most random thing to to make a joke about. The the photos, and I don't know if this is from the actual poster that they're using of Dan Hooker on the UFC website. Looks a little weird. They could have done. They could have picked a nicer photo for him. I've Take heard, a look at it when you get a chance. <laughs> I've heard the thing about the poster is that of all the like. All the other guys kind of just look stoic, like they're looking at the camera, but Dan Hooker is snarling. And I did point out, it's like, well, they wanted to make sure, like, don't get me wrong, you know, he's a one BMF himself, but he's not the scariest looking guy. And if you notice on the poster, they have him right next to Mike Perry. So they wanted to make sure he looked intimidating, is what I've been, <laughs> what I, the yeah. conclusion I have come to, you know? Not quite snarling, but but I get the uh, I get the intention there. Um, but dude, come on! Like, is this a heck of a fight or what? Like, the this is the kind of matchup that reminds me of how boxing operates. 
This is not a pay-per-view, obviously, right? But boxing pay-per-views, you're just paying for one fight. You'll watch the other ones. And usually if you have people over, it's just on in the background. Some people pay attention. Some people don't. And UFC pay-per-views, you're paying for the whole darn thing, at least the main card, right? You don't want to just pay $64.99 or whatever it is for one fight. Now, again, not pay-per-view here, but still, this is what it makes me think of because this is one of those fights that, like, it doesn't matter what else happens on this card. You're going to get your, your, you know, your uh, money figurative or, or literal literal's worth uh, with this matchup. So just excellent, excellent fighters with a lot of heart, great stand-up. I mean, there, there's not much more to say here. It's going to be a heck of a fight. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I I know that this is a big jump, and obviously, when you look at Dustin Poirier, you know, arguably, you know, the most popular lightweight behind, um, you know, Tony and Habib. Obviously, Justin Gaethje has done a lot of work since the their fight, but um, this is a big name, and I think that a lot of people, if you're counting out Dan Hooker, you probably did not watch that fight. And I, respectfully, I think it was in like the middle of the day for us in New Zealand, five rounds just beat down with uh, Paul Felder, one of the best fights of the year, um, until Joanna took on Wei Lee. But uh, just, this is a good fight. I, what I like about it is, obviously, Dustin's known for his boxing. He's got the one-shot power, in my opinion. But uh, Dan Hooker's just slick. He's multifaceted. He gets in and out very well. Utilizes his kicks very well. Durable. We learned that in the Felder fight. He's good for five rounds. He could take some damage. I think that the power and possibly the ground game of Poirier is going to be the X factor, though. I mean, he doesn't use it often, but Poirier's got a sick jiu-jitsu game. Like I said, I think the just the ability to do damage with one punch falls on in his wheelhouse, falls in his category when you break it down. Those are two big weapons to overcome for anybody. Uh, Dan Hooker does not have the kind of wrestling that I think is, you know, he can't use Habib's game plan against uh, Poirier is my point. So this makes a very interesting fight. I think that if uh, for a Dan Hooker victory, he's really going to have to just have that. uh, He's going to have that breakout moment. He's going to have to slip and just connect and make Poirier miss to get a victory. Otherwise, I think it's uh, Dustin Poirier just does a little more damage in all the right spots to get the victory. Um, I'll go, yeah, I'll go unanimous decision. I think Dan Hooker's coming to show up. What about you? So I have the same, I'm picking Poirier as well, and I'm figuring it's going to be the power in the hands that that makes the difference here and gets him the win. But I think he's actually going to be able to finish him. I'm predicting TKO round four. Ooh, that's going to be something. All right, mm-hmm. all right. I see, I see. I'm going to pick up what you're throwing down, Natalie. All right, <laughs> so we got Dustin Poirier. Uh, let's talk about a couple other little things. Um, I'm going to take us out of order. Aspen Ladd pulled from the – well, not pulled. She had to withdraw. She uh, hurt her ACL. The fight with Sarah McMahon is off. Um, not for nothing, but I almost feel like now this completely puts it for Irene Aldana against Holly Holm in August. And more importantly, if you're, I feel like if you're Amanda Nunes and you just saw that happen, I almost feel, uh, we talked about it, the retirement thing. I'm not saying that that made the decision, but I'm almost like, yeah, this is a good time to take some time off. 
what are your thoughts on the way that unfolded in the last week? Yeah, it's a bummer for Lad. I mean, she was in general, she was a fighter on the rise in that in the one thirty five division. She had the loss against Duranami, but it was so fast, and you know, I think it was a clean victory for for Jermaine. But there's obviously a little bit of a wiggle room there, a little bit different of opinions, right? Uh, so so it's a loss, but she's still a hot prospect. Um, so it sucks because that's one of the the names that that we're looking at to see who's going to be the next uh, con- challenger or you know, well yeah, challenger. Uh, whether or not Nunez sticks around, she was still going to be one of the people to either fight Nunez or fight for a vacant belt in the near future. So it sucks. Hopefully she's not out for too long. Also sucks for Sarah McMahon. I don't know if they've announced a replacement fight for her, but you know she's like the most positive fighter out, you know, you see on the mic, there, very polite and, and uh, just hardworking. And I would love to see her be able to fight consistently so that she can continue trying for, uh, for, for, for that shot. I think, you know, her last shot against Ronda Rousey was so long ago and it was, you know, one of those stoppages where again, look clean to me, but you could, uh, if you, you know, you give her a little more time, who knows what happens and how that, that whole, fight turns out so in any case um sucks for lad sucks for mcmahon too i feel bad to tell you that i heard that sarah is off they couldn't find somebody on short notice ah that's a bummer man so it's like i don't know how to break it to you except rip off the (laughs) band-aid but i do have to debate with you you think she's more positive than amanda hibas um I mean, I I, guess I'm, I'm not sorry, familiar but that, enough that, with... that girl, watch some of those scrums. She's like a pocket full of sunshine, man. Okay. It's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, I know. wouldn't describe McMahon as like joy, like like to having a sun, sunny personality, but but just like very she's polite nice. and like gentlemanly almost, you know. Okay. You know, she's a, you know, she's a very nice lady. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about something very interesting. And we saw that she's officially got her credential, but Mike Perry saying he's going to go full Diego Sanchez and, um, he's going to have his own Joshua Fabia. He's having his girlfriend, uh, be his lone cornerman. And I've looked, I've tried to find evidence that says that she's fought or trained. Um, uh, Natalie, I haven't found any of that. Isn't there so. footage of them like kickboxing? In a ring once. Once? When he like beat her up or something. Once? Yeah. I um <clears throat> uh what are your thoughts? Yeah, so so it's very interesting. Would, um, if you were to take a fight, would you ever have your husband be your only corner person? Not my only one, but I've definitely thought about it and I would certainly have him in my corner because you know, he's a general sense you know, we watch a lot of fights, so he's he's he knows enough. But more importantly, he'll tell me the truth, and he, you know, he won't sugarcoat it. So if it's if I'm in a Max Rush cop, situ- cop situation, and I'm like, yeah, call it, and he thinks I should call it, he's not going to try and convince me otherwise. So, so he'll be my corner for that purpose. Um, what if he keeps pushing you out there? Yeah, he's like, no, no, you got it, you got it. Like Natalie, call it. It's like, no, Natalie, get you, get back out there. Then I'll know he's taking out a life insurance policy on me. <laughs> As you say that, I'm like, oh, I could totally picture you. He's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, Natalie, get back out there. Yeah, you're doing great. You're a champion. Go for you're, it. You're doing good, babe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, 
I'm getting the best people I can and I'm taking full advantage of them. I'm getting my loudest teammates the closest seat to the octagon that I can provide them. I am doing every single thing to give myself the most advice if I'm getting in a cage. So, uh, yeah, to hear that, I'm like, um, I'll say this. I have never wanted a fighter to get to the second round more than I do Mike Perry in that, uh, that co-main event. So we can hear the corner. Yes, I <laughs> hope. Well, I almost, I almost wish like the bad thing. But, you know, uh, the fact is I want that fight to last. I want to hear this. I need this in my life. I need to, you know, have my mind blown by what that young lady is going to say. So, um, Has he said why? Like, what happened to his last team? He wants people that he b- trusts in, essentially. And so, um, you know, uh, there are some people in this life that walk to the beat of their own drum. Yeah, and, I guess uh, that's enough. <laughs> and I get that, but you can uh, take your drum line down the wrong road, if you ask me. And I think, I fear that that's what will happen. However, I do also know that Mike Perry, I believe, is a bit favored to win the fight, if I'm not mistaken. So, who knows? Yeah, Mickey Gall, it's been a while, so who knows what he looks like. Um, and I, I mean, feel like good. Mike, uh, stylistically, he... Um, He's got, he kind of makes it a little dirty. He's going to make it hard for Mickey to do a lot of the things that he does well. Yeah. Uh, come on, Mickey, you better make it to that second round. You better, you better play with your food if you're dominating. I need to see this. Yeah. You know, ever, seriously. I need, like I said, I just need this in my life. This is going to be gold. <laughs> But guys, that's it for this week. Next week, we will have a show. We will be back to break down the fights. There is no event because they're observing 4th of July, as we all should. Natalie, I'm ready to celebrate my freedom from the quarantine, if I'm being honest. But uh, we will be doing nothing except thinking about what's ahead. The You know, we are almost there, Natalie. Fight Island, July 11th. It's going to be good. I am ready for it. Dude, I'm so ready for it, and uh, I'm ready for for this fight too. Like we're we're getting spoiled here. I ain't mad at it, and and like you said earlier, big sports is coming back too. The rest, I should say, the rest of big sports is coming back because the UFC was the first big sport to come back, and uh, all things are looking up from here. So can't complain. Well, I can't say it any better than that, guys. Remember, you can find us on social media. Natalie, what's your handle? Natalie Zamudio underscore on Twitter and Zamudio Rama at Instagram. On Instagram. (laughs) And guys, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.